Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. 11, Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 11. Um, we're going to read a few verses today. We're in uh, the third chapter of Habakkuk, which is, which is a chapter that is a song. And it's not just any song, it's a screamo song. And uh, we preached about that, it's a heavy metal song. Um, and there's actually some biblical evidence for that. I'm not making that up. It's a scream, it's a shigian note, which probably isn't heavy metal, but it is like, ah! That's kind of what it is. And uh, that's what this song is. Uh, and it's a song about God. And it's a, it's a way that Habakkuk ends his book. He started with complaints. He started with uh, weeping. He started with uh, all these issues that he has against God. God isn't moving. God isn't doing anything. And then he ends his book with worship. And so this entire chapter, chapter 3, is a worship chapter. This is a song of praise. It's a heavy metal song of praise where he is uh, screaming out the greatness of God. And we've, we've come across this section last week and this week. We're in a, we're in a part of the song that's dealing with um, the effects of God. Now, he starts off at the very beginning of the song, for those of you that weren't here with us, and he describes God as a storm, which is a weird way to think about God, especially in evangelical Christian circles. Usually, God is the shelter in the time of storm. And uh, usually God is the one holding your hand through the storm. And that's all good and well. There's some truth to that. But in Habakkuk chapter 3, in a, in a heavy metal worship song, God is the storm. He is strong. He is powerful. He's not just the thing protecting you from that thing which is powerful. He is the thing which is powerful and the most powerful. And Habakkuk has this experience with, with God, and it's, it's a storm. And he says, man, God is just like this storm. So the whole song is about this experience that Habakkuk has with this massive storm, probably a desert storm came up from the south, probably uh, torrential rains, a lot of flooding, flash flooding going on. And he's describing this, but he's describing it as God. God is the storm. And so we've been looking at God as a storm. And uh, for the past few weeks, there's different elements of him that are coming out in this song. But right now, uh, he's beginning to talk about the effects of the storm. So the storm does some stuff, right? Last week, we talked about how the storm dumps water in the wilderness and creates streams in the desert. So it breaks through dry ground. It's called flash flooding. Um, and uh, that's what God is. Our God is water in the desert. He's water in the wilderness. That if you're dry and if you're thirsty, God doesn't have to move you from where you are to someplace else. He can actually come to where you are and bring water on your dry ground, whatever your dry ground is. And even if it's the Texas state prison, uh, you guys, we had, we had, we had Romeo, we had Romeo phone, phone a friend, Romeo from prison, uh, called him and did a interview with him in church, which I've never done a phone interview with somebody in prison before, but uh, how many of you enjoyed hearing from Romeo last week? It's encouraging to you. That's awesome. If you're online, if you enjoyed it, give us a little clap, praisey Jesus hands. Give us some Jesus hands. Give us some Pentecostal hands. It'll be awesome. Um, yeah, well, it's, it's good, just good to know that wherever you're at, I think that's what's encouraging because Romeo's in some dire circumstances and has been for the past year and a half, 
Like you're you're you were concerned about being quarantined for a week and a half, but he's in dire circumstances. And the truth is, like even in the middle of his circumstances, God is still present. God is still able to cut through that dry ground and bring water. Water is life. Water is refreshment. Water is cleansing. Water is purity. Like you don't have to move somewhere else to receive from God. And so anyway, th- that's the effect. One effect of the storm. Now Habakkuk's dealing with a with a secondary effect. And this one's a little bit weirder, and so. Just bear with me. Let's just read it together. It says, The sun and the moon uh, stood still in the heavens at the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear. In other words, the effect of God's arrows and his spear, which obviously is lightning, uh, which we've talked about previously, is describing God's power. That's what Habakkuk calls the lightning, God's power. So the result of God's power, God's power has an effect. God's power apparently makes the sun and the moon stop, freeze. Uh, halt. So they stop in the sky at the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear. In wrath you strode through the earth, and in anger you threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. Now you can't see it, this is the NIV, but in the original Hebrew, at the end of that sentence, uh, you came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one, there is a, there's a word in there, the word is selah. So we've been talking about that. This is the third Selah in, the, in, the, in, in this song. There are three Selahs, and this is the third one. Selah means to pause. It means to give a musical pause, like uh, dueling guitar solos in this case, uh, double, double bass kick drums. Um, it, it, this is a time, and the purpose of that, we believe that it's a musical term, but we believe the purpose is so that you can reflect on what was just said. You can sit back and you can think about it. And what better way to think about it than with some, you know, head-banging music going on. Like, that'll just let it sink in, I guess, for those of you that are not into that kind of thing. All right, well, we'll pray for you. Um, and uh, it's just going to sink in this way. Well, so that's why every time after he says something, after, be, before Selah, you have to look at what was just before Selah. And this is very significant to the song. Is you came out to deliver your people to save your anointed one. In other words, the purpose of the storm is always salvation. God's purpose in our life, the purpose of his power, the purpose of his working in our life is to deliver and to save. It is not to judge. It is not to condemn. It is not to get you to act right. It is not behavior modification. It is salvation. Now, salvation is different than behavior modification. It's not to get you to join a church. It's not to get you into a small group. It's not to teach you how to be a worship leader or to get you on stage. The purpose of God's power in your life is to bring salvation to your life to save you, to rescue you. This is something he does. This is something that he is taking full responsibility for. He came out, the storm came out to deliver. So whatever destruction might have come along with the storm, you need to understand that even as the wind is is blowing, even as the rain is falling, that God has a design in the storm, and the storm is your salvation, and my salvation. And this is what he says. You came out to deliver your, and to save your anointed one. I'll get back to that in a minute. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. With his own spear, you pierced his head. When, when his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding. He's describing uh, the Israelites there. You trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters. Verse 16, I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay even crept into my bones and my legs trembled. 
Yet, I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. What's he talking about? Well, he's talking about the fact that God revealed to him in chapter 1 and in chapter 2 that his prayers were not, were not going to be answered the way that he wanted them to be answered. God was, God was revealing to him, Habakkuk was crying out, God, uh, stop this violence, stop these wicked people from invading the land, right? Stop the, 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 the coronavirus, stop this inconvenience in my life, stop this difficulty in my marriage, stop this, this, this problem in my kids. I was crying for him to deal with the circumstance, and what God responded to Habakkuk was that he was not going to change the circumstance, Rather, he was going to save his people in the middle of difficult circumstances. That God was going to allow the Babylonians to come in, to crash in. God was going to allow a virus to come in. God was going to allow, like nothing has entered into your life that hasn't had to check in with your heavenly father first. And Habakkuk didn't realize that. Habakkuk thought he was being invaded, right? There's this nation that is invading us. And Habakkuk thought that they were the powerful ones, that they were the great ones. And what, what he's realizing now is that God has a purpose for, what's, for the pain that he's going through. God is doing something in the midst of all of that, and he's going to wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on his enemies. In other words, I don't have to bring justice for myself. I can wait patiently for God to do what God has claimed he will do. This is a huge turnaround for Habakkuk. This is a big change of uh, song. It's a different song that he was singing. He was a little more run, one direction in chapter one, and he's gone full heavy metal now. This is a whole different, he's, he's not crying about how he lost his, you know, he was a little more country, I think, in chapter one. He was, uh, there was a tear in his beer, for sure, and uh, it's not, <laughs> sorry, if you like country, we'll pray for you. Um, he was, you know, he was a little bit, he was a little down. He was a little sad. He was a little emo. He was a little, man, God's just not doing anything. Nothing's working out for me, you know. And, 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 and now he's saying, I'm going to wait confidently for God. What's that called? That's called wild faith. He's gone from domesticated faith, faith that's relying on circumstances to line up, that I need to see what I also believe in order to believe what I believe. And I need a confirmation. My eyes need to confirm it. That's, that's mediocre faith. That's, that's pedestrian faith. But he's now stepping into wild faith. He's getting into a V10, 8-liter kind of faith. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm changing all the metaphors up. But I don't, I don't know. He's getting into powerful faith, the kind of faith that can sustain you in difficult times. This is the kind of faith that we need. I didn't realize we were going to need this kind of faith when we put together this sermon series back at the beginning of the year. But my goodness, it is, it, is, it is so relevant that we need the kind of faith that isn't locked into um, circumstances that we face in order to still believe what we claim to believe. Rather, Habakkuk says, look, I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. In other words, I'll let God take vengeance on my enemies. I'll let God deal with the very thing that is, that is confronting me. And this is a big shift. And I think, honestly, it's, it's a shift because uh, he believed in the beginning. It's almost like in his first chapter, he was talking about that God was the sun in his life and that there was this massive storm called the Babylonians that had risen up over and blocked out that sun. 
I don't know if you can identify with that, but sometimes we feel like circumstances block out our relationship with God, block out our, our, our sense of his love and his presence in our life. But that's kind of what Habakkuk was going through. He said, look, I, I, I believed that God was good and that he was with us, but now that there's this, there's this huge thing over the horizon of my life covering me, I can't see him anymore. I don't know if he's real. I don't know if he's present. I don't know if he's doing anything. And what's really interesting is that God flips the script on him and, and helps him see something different. And so that's the, so, I, so I want to go back to the, the verse 11 where he says that part of the power of God is that he causes the sun and the moon to stand still. Now, we don't believe, I don't think there are any scholars that believe that Habakkuk is being literal here. Um, we don't have any scientific evidence that the sun and the moon stood still for a day during Habakkuk's time. We do, however, have evidence that the sun and the moon stood still during Joshua's time. There's a passage in scripture where Joshua um, called on the sun and the moon to stand still uh, while they were still fighting. And there's actual evidence to suggest that there was this weird sort of uh, galactic shift during, during that time in history. And so we do believe that God can literally cause the sun and the moon to stand still. Actually, they wouldn't be standing still. The earth would be orbiting at a different way. Anyway, so, it, you know, but it would, it would look like it froze in the sky. So we believe that that happened at one time in scripture. That's not what's happening here. Uh, Habakkuk is using sort of poetic language to describe something about the storm. And what I believe he's describing is the fact that the storm, one, that it, it started in the daytime that it rose up in the daytime, that in spite of the heat of the sun, in spite of the power of the sun, this storm was so powerful that, you know, and we, we get these in Texas sometime. Uh, it's sunny in the morning, and then come afternoon, it gets kind of dark and cloudy on the horizon, and suddenly by about 1 o'clock in the afternoon, the whole sky is dark, and it's pouring down rain, and the wind is driving, and you need to turn your headlights on when you're driving at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. The sun, you know, is kind of up there, but you can't see it. The storm's blocked out the power of the sun, and it's basically almost like nighttime in the middle of the day. I think that's what he's saying, that, that the storm rose up, the sun was in the sky, the storm rose up, and the storm lasted for so long. So he's talking about the, the power of the storm, that it can block out the sun, but also the duration of the storm, that it can go for so long that the sun has gone down now, and we are into the evening, and it's so cloudy, you don't even see the, the moon. So the next time you see the sun, it's in the same place it was before. And the next time you see the moon, it's in the same place that it was before. I think that's what he's saying. He's saying he's not saying it literally stood still, but rather that this storm was so powerful and lasted for so long that it seemed like it stood still. As he's, he's writing a song. It's heavy metal. You've got to give him a break, right? So he's not being literal, but he is saying some things about the storm. He's saying that when the storm is more powerful than the sun. And, that's, and, that's, and that's, that's a huge change for Habakkuk. Habakkuk, before chapter 3, during chapter 1, he felt like his circumstances were more powerful than God. He felt like the day that he was living in, the sun that was beating down on him, that there was nothing that could possibly block that out. In fact, you know, he, he saw, I think he saw God as the sun and he saw the Babylonians as the storm that was blocking out his view of God. And God's saying, actually, it's not that way. The, the sun is the circumstance you're living under, but I am the storm. 
I am the thing that can block out the natural course of things. That it seems like it should be day. You thought that this would have to happen in order for that to happen, and that would have to happen in order for that to happen. But truthfully, when God rises up over his people, when you dwell under the secret place of the Most High, and you abide under the shadow of the Almighty, it is at that place that God's power, literally, he, he eclipses, if you will. He, he blocks out the, the difficulties in your life. And I'm not saying he takes them away. I'm not saying he takes away the trial, but he, his goodness can eclipse the trial so that you can go through very difficult things and not even feel the effect of it, not even necessarily realize, like, like is it sunny out? I don't know. What time is it? I'm not really sure. Because when the storm rises up, it blocks out the sun, so it eclipses something that was much bigger in your life, much badder in your life, and now this, this God has the power to, to hover over the earth. So that the sun is still there, so that the, 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 the difficulty is still there, the problems in your marriage may still be there. He doesn't take away issues. He doesn't snap his finger and, 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 and just, you know, make political debates decent, you know. <laughs> you may still have to live through some nonsense, you know what I'm saying? You may, have to, you may still have to go through some stuff because... Because, well, you know, it's 2020, right? And he's not just going to wave his wand and make the, make the pandemic go away. He's not, like, that's not going to happen until November 3rd. So he's not, he's not just going to, because he doesn't have that. He's not a politician. He doesn't have, he's not going to do that, you know? That's not how he rolls. He, he, he's not just going to, like, suddenly just snap his finger and, and take away your difficulty. Oftentimes, he will, he will surround you in the middle of your difficulty. He will, he will, he will not isolate you from pain. He will insulate you in pain. He will wrap, he will be a blanket around you, wrapping around you so the sun is still shining down on you, the heat from that, but you don't feel the effects of the pain so that you can go through a pandemic, you can go through weird politics, you can go through crazy stuff and not come out sunburned. You know what I mean? Like the sunburn, that's the damage from the exposure to the heat. And God's saying, look, I'm, I'm able to shelter you from the damage of the exposure. I'm not going to take you away from the exposure. I'm going to let you go through this, this, this burning fire, but it's not going to burn you. It's not going to leave lasting effects on you. This is the kind of power that God offers. This is the kind of power that God gives. This is the kind of power that Habakkuk is learning, that even in the midst of difficulty, even as the Babylonians are knocking on the gates of Judah and they're getting ready to take them captive, and God says your worst fear is going to come upon you, you are going to be taken captive, but you need to understand that I have come for your salvation. I have come to wrap around you. I have come to surround you. What does David say? He has a shield about me. A shield about me. What's that? A shield around me? Yeah, it's like a, well, that's not a shield. That's a force field. You know, David describes something that they had no technology to possibly imagine. A shield that goes all the way around you. How is how does that work? Well, it's, it's, I think Habakkuk described it better in this in this surrounding clouds, in this enveloping storm that blocks out the enemy from being able to leave lasting damages to you. 
that you go through the heat, but you're, you're insulated in the midst of it. So there is the power of, of the storm to, to block the effects of the, of the heat, but there's also the duration of the storm. That this storm didn't just rise up, give you quick shade for a moment, and then, be de- and then just, just deleted and dissolved and goes away. Rather, this is the kind of storm that lasts all day. In other words, he, 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 he brings in, he ushers in a new day. That's kind of the idea. That he steps in on Tuesday, next thing you know, it's Wednesday. You know what I mean? Like the idea is that this storm lasted so long that it over, it outlasted the sun. Because in the book of Genesis, whenever God describes the sun and he creates the sun and the moon, what does he say? He calls them rulers. He says the sun is the ruler of the day and the moon is the ruler of the night. I've always wondered about that. Like, how does the sun rule the day? I I don't understand. Is it up there telling everybody, is it charging me taxes? Like, what's, what's going on? How is the sun ruling the day? Well, I think the idea is that the sun, he gave the sun authority, so to speak, to announce the beginning of a new day and the ending of a day. So the sun decides, you know, poetically, which, by the way, Genesis 1 is, is pretty poetic as well those of you that are wondering about uh, biblical literature. It's very poetic because the sun doesn't actually like tell people what to do. It does, it's not the ruler of the day. It's the announcer of the beginning of the day. It's the, it's the one that you look to to decide when the day begins and the one you look to to decide when the day ends. And so this, 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 this ball of fire has been given power to do that according to God in Genesis 1. It's very poetic. Well, the same is true of the moon. And yet, and yet Habakkuk says, even though the sun has the power to decide when the day starts, when the day ends, when God moves in, God can cancel the power of the sun. God can override things which have authority, things which have been given authority. God can override things in your life that you may have given authority to. You may have come into agreement with, 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 with lies. You may have come into agreement with your trauma. You may have come into agreement with what you've been through, and you may have taken that to be a part of your identity. And yet when, when God arises, his enemies are scattered because he, 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 he can cancel the power of, He can cancel the power of sin. He can cancel the power of addiction. He can cancel the power of alcoholism. He can cancel the power of pornography. He can cancel the power, whatever you've given power in your life, when the storm arises, it can cancel that power. Because because according to the sun, the day wasn't over yet. But when God rose up over Habakkuk, suddenly the day was over. God decided that this day has ended and there's a new day, day that is dawning. And so the power of God is that, is that it, 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 the duration of his power can outlast any duration of any issue that you may be facing. I think, I think probably a good way to think about this is, is that all enemies, all issues, all struggles, all trials have an expiration date. That's kind of what Habakkuk is saying, that the Babylonians have an expiration date. He doesn't know when it is. It's not, God doesn't always give it to you on the label. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, We, uh, uh, this, this past week, Walmart, apparently there was a, there was a, there was a national shortage of um, salt lick barbecue sauce, the original salt lick barbecue sauce. I know 
Maybe you guys don't know that, but coins are going out, apparently. They, I don't know what's up with that. Somebody's hoarding them. And then, and then barbecue sauce from Salt Lake is also, we just couldn't find them anywhere for weeks. And so I know you guys are concerned about, you know, stuff like a virus and stuff. I was concerned about the, 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 the barbecue sauce. Like, what are we going to do? I'm, I'm not a prepper, but, but we need to stock up. Like, we need, I don't know how to do that. So you go on Amazon, it's like 20 bucks for a 12-ounce but, which, I mean, yeah, if I lived in Michigan, I would pay $20. I, hey, because Salt Lake barbecue sauce is that good. I'm just saying. It's, it's just, it, it, but we're, I mean, we're, we're close to it. Okay, fine. Nobody else agrees with me. I'm just telling you. No, you don't agree? Oh, man. Oh, well, good. You guys just sit there and be Christians and, and everything. But I'm telling you, uh, if, you're, if you don't live in central Texas, you need to go on Amazon or order you some real barbecue sauce. It's... We, we, we finally broke down. We bought some nasty stuff from the, the grocery store. I don't know what it was. It was horrible. It was, it, I mean, you might as well just go to McDonald's and get the little dunkable, you know, little thingies. It just gets, it was awful. So we just threw that away. Like, this is not even worth it. So anyway, so I finally decided I'm driving out to, like, I'm driving out. It says Salt Lake itself. I called them. I said, do you guys have bottles? They said, yes, we do. I said, all right, hallelujah. So I drove out to Salt Lake. I got three bottles. Like I, I loaded up, you know, and then I also got a little meat while I was out there. And so bring it back home. We have some great barbecue. And the next day we go to Walmart uh, this, this past Friday, and they have more barbecue sauce. And I was like, wow, girl, a few more bottles of that. And Madden's like, don't we, didn't we just get some? I said, you don't ever know when you're going to need solid barbecue sauce like you know i'm not a prepper but i think we need to be ready i'm just saying you don't know what november's gonna hold you don't know what december's gonna hold this things could get weird and i gotta have my barbecue sauce you know <laughs> i don't know how i'm gonna cook it without electricity but i'll figure that one out like we don't you don't even need meat with that stuff like my kids dip that in bread like they just mm. It's good stuff. It's good. Anyway, but but so that that started a conversation. Ro and I, Ro is like, why are you getting all the, she's like, this is going to go bad before we can actually eat it. And I said, no, 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 check the expiration date. That stuff's got so much fake junk in it and preservatives and all that stuff. It's going to last till, it's going to, it's going to outlast the Rona. You know what I'm saying? It's like, like, like we're going to be talking about coronavirus. Remember that time? And we're going to be opening this bottle and enjoying it still it's so like it yeah but it's labeled it's literally like 2022 we're good for the next couple of years and so which which in a pandemic is like you know 2049 i mean we're just i mean that's forever and so i was like this is perfect but but that, that's the truth like we we put expiration dates so that we know how long something will last and yet god has has is conveying to habakkuk that your trials have an expiration date your, your, your suffering has an expiration date. Your sorrow has an expiration date. You say, no, no, I'm going to be, I'm going, to be going through this till the day I die. Exactly. It has an expiration date. When, at which point, God will wipe every tear from every eye. It has an expiration date. I mean, and, and some things have a much quicker expiration date. But the key is that when God rises up over a life, he changes the normal expectations for how you thought your life would go. I thought I needed this. I thought that needed to work out. I thought I needed to get that job. I thought I needed to work this and, and manage that and figure that one out. We need to get counseling. And you, like you have all these plans of what needs to line up. But when God rises up over a life, he changes the expectation for how your life would go. And he cancels things 
And he lets you know that even the things he's asking you to continue to live with, that it also has an expiration date. That, that what, what, what is the old saying? Tough times don't last, but tough people do. That's, that's dumb. Tough times don't last, but God does. His faithfulness does. His goodness does. His strength does. His power lasts. His reliability lasts. The warmth of his friendship lasts. The conversations of, of the friendship with the Holy Spirit last, even in the midst of hard times. The, the joy of the Lord lasts. Joy lasts when it's rooted in Jesus, when it's grounded in Jesus. And so, and so he's saying, look, I am, I'm greater than the storm. I can interrupt the storm at any given time, but also I last much longer than the storm. And so put your faith in Jesus, put your faith in God. That's the point. And which is what, which where Habakkuk lands, he finally says, I will wait patiently. I will wait patiently. I will wait patiently for, for him to, I think we have that verse, right? Somewhere. I will wait patiently. Verse 16, the last verse, I will wait patiently for the day. So in other words, he says, I've been living in a, in a certain day. But I realize that at any given point, my day can shift. That the storm can announce a new day. That God can announce a new day. I wait patiently for the day of calamity on the nation of Vegas. That, there's a, that, that God can instantly announce a day where he's going to take care of this enemy that has, been, that has been ravaging me, that has been oppressing me, that has been defeating and even in some ways defining what I think about myself, what he's saying is, look, I'm not going to let it define me anymore. I'm going to let my patience in God define me. That I, I, am, I am walking with joy because I have patience in God. I'm walking with peace because I have patience with God. I have And so many times, man, one of the reasons why we suffer from anxiety is because we lack patience with God. God's not on our time schedule. He's not, the storm's not rising when I thought that it would rise. It's not, he's not, he's not doing what I thought he would do. I thought all I had to do was pray a prayer and suddenly he would just, you know, t- change whatever you want to change. And it would just be, you know, of course, we always get those, all those lyrics confused. We're going to change whatever we want to say and we're going to do whatever you want to move. And that's always funny. Anyway, I crack up but um like we just think that man we just snap our fingers god steps in bam everything's different but it's not really that way we invite god in we welcome him in but even as the storm is is building on the horizon even as god is is building in our life and we're giving him space well it takes a while to actually uh uh, uh, be a full-fledged storm so god god will move slowly in our lives, much slower than we would like. <laughs> and that's why he says, I will wait patiently for that day. For the day when you, what, save your people and deliver your anointed one. The word anointing uh, in the Old Testament is often talking about oil, literally, you know, that they would, they would pour oil on someone's head, but it was a symbol, uh, not of oil, it was a symbol of the favor of God that God would have favor on someone. Sometimes it's difficult if you're Habakkuk to believe that God has favor on you when God's allowing the Babylonians to come in and crush your, 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 your nation. Remember, this is, this is going to be a captivity song. It may be heavy metal, but they're going to be listening to this in the dungeon. They're going to be rocking out to this in slavery. 
They're going to be singing this when they're living in a, a foreign land, in a foreign place, uh, unable uh, to have freedom. And so this is going to be a captivity song. And he says, and he says, look, I, I, I want to define this song, not, not about the power of our oppressors, but about the favor that God has had on us and that he continues to have on us. Favor means uh, special, unique friendship. It means uh, unique joy in, that God takes pleasure in. It's pleasure, favor. He, he likes us. Not just that he loves us, but he likes us. He enjoys us. He, that's, that's, that's what favor means. And so he's pouring out, he says, he's pouring out his anointing, his favor on us, even though it doesn't look like we're favored. Because usually people who are favored, they, they have multi-million dollar jets and they, they have nice cars and, and, and they, are, they are the favored ones, you know. But the favor of God isn't always financial. The favor of God is, doesn't always result in this, this outward abundance or success. Habakkuk's getting ready to go into slavery. He's about to get ready to announce failure. But favor and failure can live in the same house. You say, how can that happen? Patience. You have to have patience for failure and fa- fa- favor to live in the same house. You have to say, I believe that God has favored me, that God has looked on me specifically with joy and with approval, not because out here I am successful, but because in here I am submitted. (laughs) So I'm submitted in here, therefore he's looking on me with favor. I'm unsuccessful out here. I have failure out here, but I have, I have favor. So you can, you can have, yeah, you can have, you can have submission without success. You can have favor and failure at the same time. And that's what Habakkuk is leaning into. And that's what you, that's where you need patience. When you don't see out here what you believe in here, that's where you must have patience. Patience is, uh, for all you guys in your parenting class, when you're talking to your kids about parenting, it's about waiting for what you want with a good attitude. <laughs> that's simple patience. Because if you don't have a good attitude, it's not patience, by the way. So it doesn't work in our house anyway. Because uh, it's all about attitude, attitude of the heart. And so patience is being able to wait for what you want, for what your Father in Heaven promised you, for what you believe that He has planned for you, but keeping an attitude of surrender and faith in Him, even in the middle of it. And this, by the way, this, this goes back, I think this goes back to the founding of, of the nation of Israel. You have, you, you have a nation right now that Habakkuk is singing about, uh, and the nation is called Israel, and that name, Israel, comes from uh, the founding father of their nation, uh, a guy named Israel, who had um, the 12 sons, 12 sons of Israel. There's actually a couple more thrown in there, but, um, but anyway, he had these 12 sons that became 12 tribes, and there were the 12 tribes of Israel, and then it became a nation of Israel, and it's all, the name Israel is, is, is a man by the name of Israel. And the Bible tells us about this guy, Israel, and tells us about how he got his name Israel, because his name used to be Jacob. And Jacob means to, to be a schemer, right? To be self-reliant, to be, I think it literally means heel grabber. So you don't necessarily fight like this. You kind of fight, you, you fight dirty. <laughs> you, uh, oh, what's his name with, uh, Chris Carson, right? You just grab his knee and you do a gator roll with it. You guys weren't watching football last week? 
man, what is what is up with you guys? We just, we just need to, let's just stop right now. Let's just pray over, I mean, this is why, this is this is it. We found it. I don't need to preach anymore. You need to go home, get some Salt Lake barbecue, get some real music on, and watch some football. Like, this is, the Lord is ready to deliver you if you just let him rise in over your life. Uh, anyway, no, Chris Carson went down because the guy, he, he, he sprained his knee because it was a dirty tackle. Anyway, it's all over the news. I don't know how you missed it with some weird presidential debate taking up space. But it, it, the real news was Chris Carson's knee. I'll tell you that right now. But anyway, he, he, like, he fights dirty. Jacob fights dirty. He doesn't deal with things. He, and this is true in his life. He doesn't deal with things head on. He tries to take the advantage by tripping up other people. He wants to step on other people. He wants to push other people down so that he can get a little bit higher. And this is Jacob's life. He's very self-reliant. He's pretty smart. He's good at, he's independent. And uh, uh, that works for him for a while. It works for him. But then, like, you burn so many bridges, and it gets a little tough. And so he burns bridges at home. His brother wants to kill him because he stole his birthright and a few other things. And then he, he leaves home and he goes to live with his uncle. And he lives with his uncle for a while. And uh, anyway, he ends up cheating his uncle out of like most of his flock. And his uncle gets upset. Now his uncle's after him. So he has to leave his uncle. Well, in order to leave his uncle, he has to go back like through the land that he came from. And so you burn so many bridges. At some point, you don't have anywhere to turn. And he is a man who is alone. He has no allies. He has no friends. He has two wives. Uh, that's another story. But anyway, two wives, some kids, obviously a lot of sheep and stuff that he stole from his uncle. And he's, he's traveling back through the land that he came from. And he hears that his brother has amassed a small army and is getting ready to meet him. He's obviously very excited that he's back. He wants to welcome him. <laughs> And Jacob knows what this means. Jacob is scared about this. He's, he's petrified. This is the end for him. All of his scheming, all of his plans have now come to an end. And it's getting uh, to evening. They're camping. And he removes himself from his family. He sends his, wife and his wives and his children over there. He sends the sheep and the cattle over there. And he separates, which is what independent people do right? I can solve this. Let me just pull back from everybody for a while. <laughs> okay. Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just taught preaching to myself, but as an independent person, this is a temptation. Like, you know what? You know, I got this. I just need to be alone. I need to figure this one out. And so he does, like, he's going to, he's, he separates himself. He pushes himself and, and, and he's by himself. Scripture says, and then there's this weird verse in the Bible, which is, the Bible's funny like this. It just throws stuff out. It says that an angel of the Lord came and fought with him. <laughs> I just find that funny because here's a guy trying to figure things out, trying to wrap his head around a situation. God shows up. Oh, God's probably going to encourage him. <laughs> God's going to hug him. God's going to, uh, you know, just remind him of his faithfulness and, and uh, you know, I'm, I, I got you and I'm here for you. No, God just pow right in the jaw. Like, can you imagine? Like you're sitting there alone at night trying to figure out what's going on. You get jumped by God. 
like this is, the Bible is so funny. God just takes full credit by the way, angel of the Lord is another term for God himself. So this isn't this probably is not an angel per se, as much as it is like a like a theophany or a, or an appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. He just shows up. I kind of like this Jesus. He's he's listening to heavy metal and he's just you know, dropping bows on this guy. He's just like just pounds Jacob right in the back of the, that one's for stealing the birthright. Boom! That one's for robbing your uncle. Bam! That's for marrying a girl you don't even love. You know what I mean? He's just like he's like. This is a brutal, some of us, we beat ourselves up. Just come to Jesus. He'll do it for you. I think it's the moral of the story. (laughs) Jacob had to be feeling bad. Jacob had to be down. He needed a word of encouragement, Pastor Harry. And yet God jumps him and literally starts fighting with him. And Jacob is fighting with God. He fights back. Can you imagine throwing a punch at Jesus? (laughs) I wouldn't want to be the guy doing that. I mean, this is a weird story because we don't think of Jesus like that, right? He's gentle. He's breaking bread and feeding people. You like now all of a sudden, like he's gone. He's past. Like this is this is before his his uh, you know his his fishes and loaves mirror. This is before his his wine trick. This is this is back when he was a little rough around the edges, and he's just like Jacob. Bam, you deserve that. And how about that? And they're, they're, they're duking it out. And the Bible says they fought all night. Jacob just, just punch for punch. He's swinging, he's ducking, he's tackling them to the ground. He's wrapping them around. I mean, this is MMA, you know, they're just, they're just going at it. Only there's no refs, there's no rules. Just rocks everywhere you can chuck at people. And I mean, this, I, I, it's in the dark. And finally, like, Obviously, um, God's just toying with him, you know. I mean, God can just kind of do whatever he wants. So it says that the angel of the Lord touched his hip. I didn't even hit it hard. Just touched it. Bam, his hip went out of socket. <laughs> That's painful. He's, and, and you would think, and like, why would God do that? Well, he's trying to get him to quit fighting. But Jacob wouldn't quit. Now, I believe God is trying to get Jacob to quit fighting, not because God wants Jacob to quit fighting, but because God wants to see if Jacob can change who he is. Jacob is a cheater. Jacob is a, uh, uh, I'll jump you if I, if, I'll, if I know I can outnumber you. Jacob is not a toe-to-toe kind of guy. Jacob is around the back, the back end, grabbing people's heel, tripping them up. And here we see Jacob actually fighting directly. We see him actually uh, not having somebody else fight for him, not having his wives fight for him, not having his uncle fight for him. Not, now, now we see him actually taking responsibility for his own place. And, and the heel grabber becomes the, the God grabber, and he just holds on. We see in Scripture that he doesn't actually, it looks like he's not swinging anymore by the end of the night. He's not kicking anymore. He's not ducking anymore. He's just holding on. And even and even even when the angel touches his hip and his hip falls out of socket, pops out of socket, he's still holding on. And so he's he's painful. He's in a lot of pain. He's he's broken. He's he's incapacitated. He's handicapped, and he's still holding on. And this is where the angel, like Jesus, turns to him and says, "You need to let me go because the sun is coming up, and I I need to go. A new day is dawning." 
And Jacob says, I won't let you go until you bless me. And for the first time in Jacob's life, he's not lying to get a blessing. He's not deceiving somebody to get a blessing. He's asking for a blessing based on actually what he's doing right now. He says, I'm holding on to you. This is what Habakkuk says. Habakkuk says, I'll take the, 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 the responsibility of patience is on Habakkuk. And Habakkuk says, I'll take that responsibility. Because in chapter one, Habakkuk is like, God, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? Where are you? Blah, blah, blah. The responsibility is all on God. God isn't listening. God isn't seeing. God, 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 God. And now in chapter three, he says, I will wait patiently. In other words, there's something that you can do. Even when you feel like you can't do anything, even when you're maybe wrestling with Jesus himself and you're at a severe disadvantage, there's something that you can do and that something is to hold on. And I think we're, we're missing that a lot. We're missing the ability to hold on. We're missing the ability to stay where God told us to stay long after the feelings have gone away that God told us to stay with. We're missing the ability to commit and a commitment is to say, I'm in this even when the emotions that, that pushed me into this have gone away, that my will is sticking with God. My, 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 my volition, that's the inside, that's the, 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 the decision maker in my head is not going to be swayed or persuaded by my emotions, but rather it is, it is set on God. I will wait patiently. I will hold on. No matter what it costs me, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how painful it is, I will hold on to God. And he says, look, and God says, look, I, I, I love those kinds of people. So God blessed Jacob with a new name. He said, look, this is your blessing. No longer will you be called Jacob. No longer will you be called the schemer. No longer will you be called the one who grabs the heel. But from now on, you'll be called Israel. And the name Israel means one who wrestles with God and perseveres and wins. <laughs> And so I don't know, I don't know where you, where you are today. I don't know what's going on in your life. Maybe you feel like you need a little encouragement and then God just popped you in the mouth. Maybe you feel like, I just needed him to tell me I was good and everything was going to work out fine. And God interrupted that. And God wrestled with me. God, God, God pushed against me. God pushed against my, my independence. Because sometimes if you encourage somebody who's independent, in their independence. You just feed the beast of independence. And so God doesn't always come along and say, man, you're doing great. You just need to keep on going. When, when you're independent, when you're, when, you're, when you're completely absorbed in yourself and you trust in yourself and you believe in yourself and you look to yourself, God, God's not going to come and say, man, you're doing great. Just keep going because you're really not. Jacob was in trouble and he knew it. And God could come along, give him some fake hope and be like, just say this 10 times to yourself every morning and then, and then, and then you'll just believe it. And just, just repeat after me. Look in the mirror and say, I love you. And just say that a bunch of times and then you'll eventually just like love you somehow. I don't know. Like, just get some positive thinking. And that's great. Positive thinking is great until your brother and an army show up. 
And the truth is, most of us are so sheltered in America, we haven't actually had to face things like a, like a virus. We haven't actually had to face some stuff that we're currently facing, riots in the streets, not in my lifetime. We haven't actually had to face any of stuff. So we've been able to live in a little like psychological bubble where as long as we just tell ourselves enough, then we kind of feel it. But man, when you get smacked in the face with fear, when you get smacked in the face with real life threatening diseases that are going around, with real issues in your community and in your life, and racism starts rising up and you see it and you see it for the first time and you and it hits you and it, and it affects you this is different i don't think i don't think i don't think jesus only cuddles people and i think his cuddling days are over 2020 is not a cuddly jesus i'll just tell you right now he's the kind of jesus that's just like bam look come on like like, like you need to get out of yourself Stop relying on yourself. If you're so strong, can you take me on? Because if you can't take me on, you're not going to be able to take this army that's coming after you. You know what I mean? And so he allows, he get the grace of God to slap Jacob into reality and to say, look, get rid of your independence. Stop holding on to yourself. Hold on to me. Rely on me. Lean on me. If you're going to grab any heels, stop grabbing the heels of your uncle. He's not going to be able to help you. Stop grabbing the heels of your brother. He's not going to be able to help you. All the people you've turned to, your two wives can't give you fulfillment that you're looking for. Your children certainly can't give you the joy that you're looking for. All the things that you're grabbing hold up, hoping they will give you peace, they won't. But you've got to grab on. If you grab onto me, I can speak something over your life that changes you. I can bless you in a way that outlasts the curses of your past that brings about a new day. The sun is coming up, Jacob, and there's a new day over your life. And so right now, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. And if you're watching online, I encourage you just to close your eyes with me for a minute. And I invite you. Maybe you feel like God's been wrestling with you and you don't like it and it's not nice. I invite you to to allow the, the, the difficulties of life to allow the push and the pull of life, to allow the uncertainty of these times, to push you to grab a hold of Jesus. Jacob had been grabbing hold of his brother. Jacob had been grabbing hold of his father's love before that. Jacob had, Jacob had, 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 had always been looking outside of uh, uh, God for fulfillment. He was grabbing a hold of so many other things. If I could just get my father's blessing, then I would be good. If I could just get the birthright, then I would be good. If I could just uh, marry Rachel, then I would be good. If I could just, and he always had these things. And one after another, he received those things. He worked hard for them and he found out that they were empty. And they certainly couldn't deal with the enemy that he was facing. But when he decided to hold on to God, that's when he received a new name, a new identity. And so I would just offer you, there, there, there is a God who is able to come into your life like, like this storm that Habakkuk is singing about, screaming about, is able to move over the horizon of your life, who's able to block out the effects of your past, the effects of your trauma, the effects of your pain. He's able to to rearrange things in such a way that he's able to insulate you and to cover you. But you have to hold on to him. Hold on to the one who who is wrestling with me, who is pushing at me, who is making me not be so independent. 
Yes, 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 that one. Hold on to that one. Everybody else is trying to sell you something, resist them. Everybody else that says they are the answer, resist them. Obviously, every con man is going to, it's going to promise and under, overpromise and underdeliver. But God alone actually brings truth into our life. And so that truth is often confrontational. And Jacob received the confrontational truth so that then he could realize that his greatest need was just to hold on to God. And it was there that he was blessed. Jesus did more for him in 30 seconds than his brother had done for him in 30 years. In one word, he said, your name shall be Israel. He forever shifted his destiny. He, this new day had come. He announced a new day. You don't need a girlfriend or a boyfriend to announce a new day. You don't need that job to announce a new day. You don't need for this pandemic to go away to announce a new day. When God announces it over you, it shifts and changes everything. And that next morning, Israel walked out to meet his brother. And his brother welcomed him. And his brother encouraged him. And his brother promoted him. And his brother sent him on his way. So Lord, we come before you right now and we just... We reach out to you. If, you're, if you feel like you need to put your faith in Jesus, would you just raise your hand as an act of faith just to reach out, to reaching out or holding on? Father, we reach out to you. We reach out to you that you are good. We believe that you are good, even in the midst of difficulty that we're facing. You are good, and we reach out to you. We put our faith in you. We take our faith off of ourselves, off of our husbands, our wives, our kids, our jobs, our security, our financial security, our country, our political system. We take our eyes off of those things. We put our faith in you, Lord. We put our faith in you for our, our physical body. I think some of us just need to put our faith in him for physical healing. Father, we put our faith in you for physical healing, that you are able to heal all of our diseases is what the word says all of our diseases, whether it's coronavirus or any disease. In fact, we pray for all those that are suffering from coronavirus, including our president and his wife. We pray that you would show yourself powerful from whatever political side of the aisle they're on, that you would show yourself powerful and save lives, bring healing. And for anyone in this room, whatever they may be suffering, whether it's, you know, the a, a coronavirus, or it could be cancer, it could be actual uh, 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 back issues, stomach issues, so many issues that are in our bodies, Lord, we put our faith in you to bring healing for those. We hold on to you. We don't deny doctors, but we hold on to Jesus. We thank you for that. We thank you for your healing power over our lives. You can announce a new day. You can announce a brand new body put our faith in you for our bodies, but also for our spirits, also for our souls, for our emotions, Lord. We can trust you with those things. And for any, any agreement that we've made with our trauma, with our past, any agreement we've made with the enemy of our souls, any time that we have agreed with that, that we would renounce that and that we would step away from that and that we would listen to what you have to say about our trauma, you, what you have to say about our mistakes, what you have to say about our past. And we confess, that's what scripture says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Confesses is just to say the same thing. It's not, to, it's not to list the sins, it's to say the same thing as God. To come into agreement with him. 
for too long we've come into agreement with the enemy. We've said the same thing as the enemy. We've condemned ourselves. We've, 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 we've belittled uh, the power of God in our life. And so instead, Lord, we come into agreement with you, that you are powerful, you are able to save. You have come for deliverance and for salvation. And so we welcome you into our hearts, into our minds, into our homes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.